The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. I'm excited to welcome Nitsan Sher, who is the co-founder and CEO of Wevo. Welcome, Nitsan. Thank you, Seema. It's a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, as I do these interviews and discussions with people kind of in the core analytics space, but then also in adjacent spaces, it's always exciting to understand what's happening. And I kind of look at your company a little bit that straddles multiple segments of industry. But before we get into that, Nitsan, share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came about to founding your company. So I'm more than happy to. And you're spot on on observation. I think some of the biggest innovations come when you meld together ideas from different industries, thus creating completely new opportunities and changing the landscape of opportunities in a certain space. I think they call that disruption. I think so. I think that's the word. (laughs) (laughs) And that's very much how I think many of our customers think about the Wevo solution. But we'll get to that or more of that just uh, in a moment. So just as a word of background, Wevo is the fourth company that I'm either starting or joining early on. I don't know why, but I haven't learned that startups is a bad idea yet. And keep on going back to it. Just love the thrill of joining a team of like-minded people early on and, and swinging at the fences and try to build something where nothing existed before. Amongst other companies that I joined early on was Skype, which I did not found, but joined a company early on, the mobile team there, and we sold the company successfully. Did that yeah, two more times before starting Wevo. All of them, all companies on the in the space of trying to help consumers solve a very big problem. And the context for Wevo was really formulated while the time I was in Skype. At Skype, one of the big things that we did was take an industry that hasn't been changed for probably dozens of years before that, international calling. If you remember back in the day, it was probably $10 to call internationally per minute. Like a minute, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember like we would gather with all the kids around and my parents to speak to grandma and we had to be at the phone at that time and coordinate it. When you reduce $10 a minute to, you know, $0.02 or to completely free, then suddenly people can speak unlimited. And if you looked at the amount of international calling minutes as VoIP became a reality, it just skyrocketed. And I was looking at the time thinking what other industries the costs per minute are really expensive. And by reducing costs, making them more efficient, you can give, there's unmet demand basically that would use it if you would be faster, if you would be cheaper. And one of the problems that we, we, as a customer-focused company at Skype, we wanted to understand more about our customers, but it was just too expensive. 
running focus groups and usability studies. And, you know, we're selling to 147 countries and territories around the world and different use cases and different age groups. It was a nightmare to collect uh, user research to know what products to build and what features to improve. And A-B testing, yes, but it's so costly to build it and then A-B test it. So that was a real challenge. And those two ideas of saying, oh, we really want to listen to our customers more. And wow, this is an industry that costs could be uh, reduced dramatically were the background for creating Wevo, which fundamentally, you know, we take a process that's about 200 hours to run a proper usability study or focus group or what have you and reduce it to half an hour. So about two orders of magnitude faster. So how does it work? So fundamentally, Wevo is a tool to listen to your customers, hear what their needs and what their challenges are with your user experience or entire customer experience. And it provides you validated insights on what the core problems are and what the core hurdles are as well as what are the things that are working really well. So instead of just answering the question of where are the problems, we answer the question of why are people experiencing a challenge in your user experience, thus enabling your team to generate a better user experience. We also enable our customers to validate their ideas. So if you have an idea, you have a new concept, you wanna try it out, and your organization doesn't have the time or money to build every single one of those ideas, you can test those ideas with Weibo and Weibo will give you a validated answer. Is this idea better or not than the existing solution? If you have five ideas, it'll tell you which one is going to do best in the market. And we do this with the help of AI, human augmented AI specifically. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. Is the user experience solely digital that you're testing? Or can it be across, you know, physical and digital? Currently, we focus on digital, on entirely digital experiences. In the future, I see ourselves adding uh, experiences that cross digital and physical. But right now, we're focused on digital, predominantly because we're training our systems. And in order to train our systems, we need the data of what actually happened. And I'm a client and I say, I'm trying to understand a new product concept idea and it's going to be introduced on my website. Tell us a little bit about how that actually happens at your company. What's going on in the background? Sure. So the Weibo user, all they need to do, unlike traditional research, that they have to come up with a plan and select the panel and interview the panel and execute it. And you have to have, you know, good experience in user research to do it properly. And then you have to put together a PowerPoint with Wevo, all of that goes away. Wevo, the user needs to define the target audience that they're focused on and a set of drop-down menus and identify the experience that they are trying to optimize. It could be a landing page. It could be a set of three steps in an online process. It can be a part of a mobile app. It can even extend for some of our customers, Procter & Gamble, for instance, we do an experience across their websites and the fulfillment that happens actually on Amazon. So an entire experience there. So you define the experience, you define the target audience. That's all you have to do. It takes usually less than 10 minutes. Sometimes we ask you about the task your customer, you want your task, your customer to complete. Then Weibo goes ahead and does all the heavy lifting. We have a panel of about 30 million people from around the globe. So we identify a lookalike audience. They ought to generate a survey for those people. 
We watch those people as they go through the experience and ask them a whole lot of quantitative and qualitative questions. And then we have an, a machine that goes through those results and does a few things. First of all, it cleans out results that aren't high quality results. If there are any of that, people weren't focusing or they weren't consistent. And then we have a system that themes together the different ideas that are coming out of there and looks at multiple lenses that are benchmarked lenses. And this is really important for the prediction model. I'll get into those lenses in just a moment, but just to complete the process of so you launched it, took you 10 minutes, Wevo does the survey, the heavy lifting, the reaching out to the audience, and then finally, and the processing, and finally you get a report online that is a standardized report that gives you all the information you need in order to pinpoint why it is that people aren't engaging. If you launched multiple experience, it'll also tell you which one is the best experience, and, and finally, it'll tell you if there are any gaps between expectations people had and the reality of the experience itself. So you can identify things that aren't on the page or on the experience and are missing. It's really exciting. Tell us wh- at what point is there human intervention in that process, right? So obviously, you guys have spent a lot of money on technology using machine learning, artificial intelligence, but where do people get involved in that process that you just talked about? So that's an excellent question. So when we talk about people, there are two levels. First of all, there's the participants themselves that are answering the question that we're following what it is that they're doing. You know, in, in early concepts of Weibo, we thought maybe we can have a machine just look at the experience. We did away with that. One, because it's really, really hard. But two, expectations of users are continuously evolving. If you have an AI that was trained in the past, you know, in 2015 to 2020, and then 2020 hits, it's like, forget it. The AI is not going to predict what's going to work and what isn't. So we believe in a continuous flow of updates of what people around the world are feeling or how they're responding to things. So that's the participant component of human feedback that exists there. The second place where we have humans involved is in the ultimate analysis of the key findings, as we call them. Most of the work of the theming of the identifying and prioritizing and benchmarking is done by machine. But we do have a human at the end that looks at all the insights together and all the things that came out from the different components of the tool, which I haven't described yet, and, and themes them together. So we call these analysts. They specialize in conversion and engagement and in successive experiences. So they add a nice one page report at the end that summarizes everything. It's almost like a gut check to make sure that what's been produced is in sync and consistent themes are throughout that report. That is exactly right. We, you know, we trust the AI, but we are big believers in human augmented AI, which is partnership between human insights where humans are really strong and the rigor of a machine to, again, look at all the quotes, filter out the bad stuff, compare it to historical data, things that are computer good. So we're big believers in the partnership between the two. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling 
programming and hosting services or consultation, we are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. And I want to get to the lens part in a moment, but just talking about the process, you talked about 30 million people that you have access to. Is that proprietary panel? Is that partnership? How do you find those people? So we strategically, we decided to go with a partnership model. So we have partnership with multiple participant providers. This is, as you know, a fast growing industry around the world. And the reason we decided to do that, it is so important for our customers to find their exact target audience. And we have some customers that run Wevo on the same experience, you know, five times, one for each target audience, because different target audiences respond differently. And we just knew there's no way we could provide for all companies on the planet, all target audiences. With all those partnerships and 30 million sounds like a big number, I can tell you right now, there's still audiences we can't reach. Like a jet rental company asked us to find people that rent jets twice a month. (laughs) We cannot reach those people. I totally understand and believe that. I get that. And then you also have to deal with the complexity of language, right? And making sure that you're able to connect with those consumers and those countries in the appropriate way. So do you manage for that or do your partners partners manage for that? So we provide currently support for over 30 countries. We are startups. So currently we do it in English only. So it's the English speakers in those countries. We will be adding additional languages in the future. Though we do have an opportunity for our customers, in addition to our 30 million, to bring their own panel, BYOP. In that case, they can have participants in in certain regions or or very unique people that we can't reach that they can. And, and, you know, we just give them the benefit of our platform in that case. Very cool. All right. Talk to me about these lenses that you were referring. Yeah. So, you know, when we started Wevo, we put together, we brought together a group thought leadership of leaders we could find in the UX, usability, CX, design space. And we asked them, how do you go about evaluating if a user experience is good or has room for improvement? And, you know, there are a multitude of books on the topic, how to measure it and how to do it. And each one has their own set of tools. There is consistency between the different tools that have been developed from the 50s on and tweaks, but it is really hard because there's so many dimensions. So through a process that started about four years ago, and we've been refining, we continuously refine it and compare it to how people behave in the real world. We've come up with three primary lenses that we look at each user experience. The first lens is a lens of geographically what is happening on the page, on the pages of a user experience. What are the areas that are roadblocks to conversion that are hurdles? And what are the areas that are actually helping the engagement? So the first lens we do, it looks a little bit like a traditional heat map, but is very, very different from a traditional heat map. The Wevo heat map shows you, it's called it a sentiment uh, map. The Wevo sentiment map shows you Again, by intensity of color, what are the biggest problems in the experience on each one of the pages? And what are the areas that are the biggest helpers? 
And this can be an image that may be offensive to people. It could be a headline that is confusing. It can be a customer quote or a description of a product that may rub people the wrong way. So we identify from an intensity perspective, what are those areas that are highest priority to be fixed? And because everything we do is quant and qual, we also explain why is it a problem? So we can say this image, the diversity of people in it isn't broad. I don't see myself in that image. There is stuff that isn't relevant to the product. Why are you putting this image there? So on and so forth. So we explain why there's a problem. Then you ask some sort of sentiment question related to that. That is exactly right. So we call that combination, by the way, of quant and qual. We call it qualt. Everything we do is qualt because we believe that in order to save time for our users, we have to point them in the right direction. What's the most important thing? And then qualitatively, we explain what is exactly the problem there. And so many systems today lack that partnership between quant and qual, right? You can run A-B testing as much as you want. A-B testing is important, don't get me wrong. But one, you have the problem after you have to code everything. And two, it tells you nothing about what the problem is, right? A did better than B. But why? And what can you do to create C that's twice as good as, as B? That's a good way to put it. I like that. Okay, so the first one is geographical, just looking at the layout and understanding what works, what doesn't work, and how to improve it. What's the second lens? The second lens is the lens of diagnostic drivers. So diagnostic drivers are the five main areas that we look at in order to understand from a benchmark perspective, how's this experience doing? And it really looks at the gestalt of the whole experience come together. It's not a specific area on the page anymore because Users don't know that you have copywriters, designers, and user experience people. They couldn't care less. They look at it all together. So we look at things like clarity. Do people understand what's on the page? We look at things like appeal. Is the product or the service and the offering appealing to them? We look at things like credibility. Do they believe the company can deliver on the promises that it's making through this experience and the product will be what they said it's going to be and so on and so forth? We look at relevance and we look at overall experience. So that's the gestalt lens or the overall uh, diagnostic lens. And we do this, by the way, with benchmarking to the industry and to the product, which is really important because if I would just give you a Likert scale 57 great, what do I do with that 5.7 scale? Like we can tell you how you're doing against the benchmark. Are you above benchmark? Are you below benchmark? Again, where's the focus of what you need to fix and why is that happening? Why is there a problem in clarity? And do you have benchmarks by industry? Because I would imagine consumers tolerate, you know, different experiences depending on where it fits into their life. So I think about healthcare right? It's a durable industry. It's needed to live. And maybe a consumer might have a higher tolerance for a less enjoyable experience versus a beverage company. See, you're spot on. You're spot on. That's exactly right. And I'll even build on what you said. There's a difference by industry and there's even a difference by product in the industry. I treat the experience of choosing a credit card different from how I treat the experience and what I'm looking for when I'm choosing a retirement plan. So Wevo recognizes that and has benchmarks built per product, per industry. 
And we're building our database all the time as we're, because there's no technical integration needed with Wevo, we can Wevo any website on the planet. So we continuously are Wevoing more and more experiences, more and more websites. So we, we are expanding our benchmark and it's evolving all the time, right? As customer expectations are changing. Yeah, I think that relative understanding for a client is so important. To your point, you could get good, bad, or indifferent, but what does that really mean relative to competition or to other players in the industry? Yeah, I think we all want to know, right? Like, are we in the top 10 percentile and the margin to improve is minimal or are we at the bottom 10 percentile and, and there's still tons of room to improve over here? So I think it's really important to know that to focus our effort. And the third lens. Yes. So the third lens is about expectations versus reality. And, you know, they, they say we live our lives in the gap between expectations and reality. And it's true on so many fronts. So what we do on that front is we ask people, what are their hopes and concerns when considering to purchase this product, this service, even before they've seen the, the site? And then once they've experienced it, we ask them to answer, was your expectation met or not? And over here, I can't emphasize how important human augmented AI is in this process because traditional user research would say, out of the following three things, what are most important to you? Well, what happened if you got those things wrong? What happens if those things change since the last time you created that model of personas or priorities? They change all the time. So Wevo doesn't ask it that way. We don't assume that we know the answer of what are the things that are important. So we ask an open-ended question of what are your hopes and concerns? And in real time, the machine, the AI groups that. It's theming. It's not rocket science and AI. It's a well-understood algorithm. So we theme together those groups. And then we ask people, you know, relative to in this hope and concern that you expressed, to what extent was it meant in the product? And again, over here, that helps our customers understand where do they have to focus on? Is it back to the financial example? Or I'll give a, an example from telemedicine. Is it about the experience that you're going to have with the doctor online? Is it about the credibility of the doctor that I'm speaking to? Is it an issue of price? How are those things ranked for users? And where do I need to work most in order to improve that? Very exciting. Give us an idea of how long a project takes. I know there's so many dimensions, like how many concepts are you testing and an average, you know, basic project. What's the time element involved? Yeah. So again, the time from the user is about 30 minutes. We estimated 10 minutes to get a project started and 20 minutes to review the results. And you don't have to prepare any PowerPoints. It's all ready to be shared. There's a sharing button over there that you can share with your colleagues. They don't even have to log in. And then the duration, the time it takes to collect these answers, it depends on your target audience. It can be anywhere from three to 10 days. Uh, that's the order of magnitude. I was going to say, who in the organization gravitates to Wevo as a solution? Yeah. So currently, we're seeing a lot of adoption with UX researchers, designers, marketing people, and product managers. And we're seeing the beginning of engineering teams use it as well. And here's a very important thing, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation on Skype and what happens when you drop the cost of a product so dramatically like international calling minutes. So it used to be that you need that there's a research group, you need to reach out to the research group and ask them to test your concept with users, and they would put you in the queue. 
and uh, you'd wait a month until they get to you in the queue and they'd take them another month or two to execute it and then you'd get the results and you'd schedule a PowerPoint presentation. Think for a moment, equate that process to learning how to play the piano. If you had to wait for a day between the time you press the keys until you heard the music come back, you would never be able to learn music. Or think alternatively of you're going to the hospital and it takes them a week to diagnose what problem you had. These guys serious challenges over here, right? What Wevo is doing is compressing that time and making it such that anybody in the organization, if they're an engineer, a designer, a UX researcher, can push a button, no expertise needed, and three to 10 days, usually, you know, someplace around the five to seven, you're going to get feedback. And you didn't have to invest tons of time in it. And you it's validated. So you don't have to do multiple iterations on this. So the learning of the organization starts to accelerate the ability of the organization to take bigger risks, because now they can test everything accelerates. And that's the fundamental, you mentioned it earlier, that's the disruptive power of Webo. Nathan, you started the company in 2016, is that right? 2017 is when we started. We started to get paperwork in December 16. So you're four years into the journey. Yes. A very exciting four years with very little sleep. Uh, how's the business going? Is it customer adoption what you thought it would be? Give us a sense of where you are in your entrepreneurial journey for the fourth time. So the first year we were just building our prototype of a product. I would say year two, we were testing it out and getting customer feedback. You can imagine we're fanatics on customer feedback in this company. Year three, things started to go well. And then there was this thing called COVID that hit. It turned our world upside down for, I think, everybody. And then as started to come out of that towards the end of 2020, we happened to also launch Wevo 2.0, which was actually the product that our customers were after. And then the company started to take off. So just to give you a feel, in Q4 of last year of 2020, we grew our sales 100% over Q3. So in one quarter, 100%. And we haven't yet reported to investors our Q1 results, but they are stellar. We had, once again, a record-breaking quarter. We have some major Fortune 500 companies that have signed on to Wevo recently. The company is, is growing very rapidly. We added, I think, nine people in the past three months, nine or 10. I'm losing count to the company in the past three months alone. That's great. Nitsan, thank you so much for joining me today. I truly enjoyed hearing your story, learning about your company. And listen, I'd love to have you back and kind of catch up and see where you are in your next phase of the journey. Absolutely. Seema, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.